What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini. Hello, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Hey, everyone. And Justin Davis. Scoop. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Returnal, which I've been playing a lot of and enjoying very much. Uh, we're going to talk about all some of the just wild uh, revelations that are coming out of this Apple versus Epic um, trial. And we've learned some <laughs> very interesting things about Xbox and what they think about PlayStation and Nintendo games. But first, Justin, I believe we have an update on the IGN store. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So we're really excited. The store has been selling, you know, T-shirts from Marvel and DC and Star Wars for over a year now, and we're expanding into collectibles and toys. And so I actually have it open right now just from some work stuff. Like, we're trying to really serve a lot of different fandoms so you can get Gundam stuff and Stranger Things stuff and, you know, Nendoroids and, like, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, yeah. But, like, we're trying to hit a lot of different price points and a lot of different fandoms. So if you're someone that's looking for, like, a $250 really, really high-end, like, crazy detail, like, or just, like, you know, want a $26 Gundam for your desk or, like, you know, a $10 toy for your desk, like, we're trying to sort of service everybody there. And so um, we're super, super excited. If you go to store.ign.com, all that stuff should be for sale and pre-orderable now. And that's a result of, like, six months of work i'd say and so uh really excited to have that come to fruition and be live and so far the response has been really positive which feels really good too what's the uh, most expensive collectible we have Ooh, good question i think by price yeah i can sort by price let's take a look price high to low and i like how specific you were about the 26 dollar gundam toy yeah i've been spending a lot of time looking at this stuff (laughs) I don't know what this is, but the most expensive thing that we sell is $325. And the reason I don't know, by the way, is because we have Will Chu, who's running the IGN store day to day now. And he's he's the expert when it comes to this stuff. But uh, it's called Zero Two for My Darling, one-seventh scale figure, Darling in the Franks. And Franks is <laughs> F-R-A-N-X-X. So all the anime fans know exactly mm. all, all about that one. Um, but no, like really high-end, you know, collectible anime figurines and all that stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. and a super super cool uh, Luigi holding a holding a vacuum. Cool, Justin, you're gonna have to decorate your new background setup with some of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you mean you don't want me to just have you know Eye of Judgment and other obscure <laughs> <laughs> PS3 well, and Dreamcast games back there? Well, I assume you you're gonna also, be pulling them off playing them, so you know it's just not yeah. sustainable for your own benefit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'll, you were, your house is the warehouse for the store too, so technically mm-hmm. you could just shoot from there, right? It's, yeah. all, it's all just in my basement. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as a quick reminder, the Game Scoop shirt that I'm wearing right now is available in the IGN store. You could have easily told us all to wear Game Scoop shirts yeah, today. We have different forms of Game Scoop no, shirts. No, I didn't do it. I wanted. To- <laughs> I wanted all the attention. (laughs) Classic Damon. Uh, Okay. Am I, please tell me I'm not the only one playing Returnal. You are. So we're going to interview you about Returnal. So Damon, what are your thoughts on Returnal? Well, I like it a lot. Um, It's no secret. (laughs) It's no secret that I'm a big fan of roguelikes. um, And that's what this is. It feels like a very big, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this. The first like triple A roguelike game, but for, you know, and particularly for Sam and Justin, it also has really big Metroid vibes. I'm sure you've heard that. Mm. Uh, you know, you're uh, this uh, 
uh, female space explorer who crash lands on this planet, and it, there's just lots of like spooky. The atmosphere in this game is awesome, and I've been playing with my um, uh, Pulse, the Sony Pulse headset. So there's lots of really cool mm-hmm. sound stuff happening all around you. They do some really cool stuff for the DualShock too, too, so you can even like feel like the rain pattering. Uh, oh, that's cool, and it's because it's the big PS5 game that for right now, while, yeah. right until until Ratchet and Clank. So it's yeah. like a that's really cool they're using that i was gonna ask about that i was also gonna ask if your character wears a hat that's cheating uh, hel- helmet helmet um yeah. the thing i actually haven't played it yet because i've been playing pokemon snap but like the thing that really appeals to me about this is that it's not just a shooter but it's also bullet dodging and so it yeah. brings forward some of that house mark you know bullet hell uh, uh you know history that that company has and brings some of that forward into like a new more modern you know three three d shooter uh uh, you yeah. know, just a different take on it. Yeah, it definitely has some of that housemark feel to it. But man, like, it's so impressive. Like, the production values are so much higher than anything else housemark has done before. There it is. I, I can't really think of, you know, any other examples. I think developers of any size tend to, like, stay in their lane, for lack of a better term. I don't think you don't see too many like smaller studios who make smaller arcade style games just be like, all right, now we're going to make a huge triple A yeah. game or, release and like and or, they pulled it off. Or if they do, it doesn't work that well. Like the order 1886. Yeah. Oh, were they a small studio before that? They were making like PSP and Vita games. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, it is difficult, but like not uh, unfairly so. And I, I, I definitely enjoy it uh, after about a week. Have you beat our boss yet? No, I've I've made it to the first boss a few times. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, uh, tell us about your best run. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I've I've done everything in the first biome. I just need to to beat the boss to go to the next biome, the next area. Hmm. The traversal feels really good. You have like this really cool dash, uh, and you you don't take fall damage, so you can feel free to just fall from whatever height you want to, and you'll be fine. Uh, the game's really cool. I like it a lot. I I, I was expecting other people would have been playing it by now. <laughs> well, I, I actually probably will start it this weekend. I also yeah. like have to play Resident Evil. So yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. like, I was trying to like cram the end of my hollow night in and I really want to, I really want to play it and I, I will play. It. Tina, is this is returnal of interest to you? It was initially. And then the conversation turned into the great big difficulty debate, which um, kind of uh, turned me off of the whole thing. But yeah. honestly, like, Partly for the job, but also partly if you guys are going to play, then I might as well, so oh. we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mentioned the, the difficulty thing last week on GameScoop. Now, I want to make a distinction here. The difficulty discussion is about how you can't save in certain ways, and it's annoying in certain ways. Like, that's in our review. Yeah. It's not like a discussion of, like, we shouldn't have hard games or anything like that. Yeah. It's a very specific series of things where I was like, this sounds like it would like really drive me crazy. And I specifically have like obsessive tendencies with games. And so that kind of worried me, but then now hearing, you know, talking about it here and, and thinking about it more, I'm more interested. Yeah. I think yeah, I have, suspended states help with that sort of thing too. Like an unofficial yeah. pause. I, yeah, for sure. I have kind of a specific reason why like Returnal is absolutely a Justin game, but, um, but the fact that the runs are a little bit long, they can be, you know, two, three, four hours long. And um, you can, you know, rest your PS4 and resume, but you can't play a different game. And so that doesn't work for me in my lifestyle. Like me and my daughter play Sackboy and we play other games on that PS5. So I can't for that reason, I kind of can't do Returnal until they introduce save states like save and resume um, where you can completely shut the game down and play something else and then pick it back up. 
Oh my God, just get a second PS5. <laughs> it is true. The, the, the runs are quite a bit longer than we're used to with roguelike games. Um, I, I, I haven't decided if I, if it's because that's just what fits Returnal or if it, you know, there's some talk of maybe the, maybe the house park felt a need to sort of make them longer to justify a $70 price tag and make it seem like more of a triple A game. I, I don't know yet. I don't, I wouldn't say Did you say $70. That's how much it costs. That's how much it costs. I Dude. I know. I love that. Like, you know, this is a PS five exclusive and it's doing things yeah. with particle effects and like, you know, it's not like the most amazing looking game ever, but like the deeper well, it we looks get, really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like compared to like a ratchet and clank, we're like, that game is just unbelievable. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. But anyway, like I just love that the deeper we get into this generation, we're going to see more and more games that are next gen only and um, really see what these consoles can do. Yeah. Um, we're all definitely playing Resident Evil, right? Well, yeah. I just want to make sure. Yes, I am definitely going to play Resident Evil. And actually now I find myself after a long drought where I was, you know, going back and playing older stuff like Yakuza Like a Dragon. I once again found myself in the position where there's just too much out all at once to play. Well, and then Mass Effect's out soon too, huh? Oh man. I mean, yeah. So there's that. I still like Yakuza Like a Dragon. I want to keep playing that. But now I've got Returnal. Resident Evil 8 is out, you know, just after we record this. Um, Mass Effect is coming up. I'm also playing Redacted, and I wanted to spend some time with that too, so it's just like all of a sudden, <laughs> ugh, it's too much. Cool. Yeah. Good problem. You know, it's good problem. Good problem. Um, some tips uh, on uh, Returnal, though, that I wish I had known. And maybe this is obvious, but I didn't figure this out. You can return to your ship to heal yourself at any time. So definitely take advantage of that. I, I didn't know that till several days of playing. And then when you... you it sounds helpful. Yeah, it is very <laughs> helpful. You also get a sword fairly early on that lets, allows you to like break uh, alien barriers. The game sort of positions it as a tool to break those barriers. But it's also a highly effective weapon on any enemy. So... Just keep that in mind. That's the game doesn't really present it that way. It presents it more as this other thing. But just whack everything you can with that red sword. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's and that's for a, more tips. Yeah. Check out our completed strategy. We have the final boss in there and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Fancy. They did a good job with that guide. I hear it was a, a big undertaking. Yeah, I'm sure. We need to do a story explained. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I just noticed in the stuff, the footage we were showing, there was a lot of story there, and and there's two. Um, like ways, like paths in the game, apparently. And like, I know we have like a big, like end of game explainer thing. Yeah. I I don't even want to get into it because it's spoiler, but like, since I decided I'm probably not going to play the game, I spoiled myself on the story and it's much, much more than I would have guessed going into it. So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a mystery to be unraveled. You know, uh, when we are looking at like what people are interested in on launch days for games so we can, you know, like write strategy guides about them or something like that, people where people are stuck, uh, people always search ending spoilers. Yep. There's just a, a, a component of people that just go out and read the end of the game. I mean, I, um, I do that, if, which is just really dumb. like if I'm like, if I, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to play this. Like I do that. I'm like, yeah, you know, OK, <laughs> what was this game all about? I've never thought to do that. That just never occurred to me. But like. I would. I don't care about spoilers, so it's just kind of fun. I, have I think a, it's a fun thing. I have a friend who loves horror movies, but refuses to watch <laughs> them before she reads spoilers on Wikipedia first. That's funny. Just wants to be yeah. prepared for. Yeah, exactly. She she prefers to like you know be exactly prepared for some of those jump scares and those twists and turns, but that spoils it. It's in the word spoiler. Yeah, I never wanted to watch. Um, uh, what was the movie before Midsummer? 
Uh, uh, hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. I listened to like a podcast series on it, which explained like everything minute by minute. And, and I know exactly what happens and I had no interest in watching that movie. And I still don't really, but I'd be much more likely to watch it now that I know about the jump scares and the twists because they are horrible. Yeah. I hadn't seen hereditary. <laughs> uh, even though I'm a big horror fan, I think it might, my, my, uh, my instinct was that it's a, a more modern type of horror film. I'm, I'm more of like 80s slasher horror movies, the thing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't think it was going to be my cup of tea, but there's a YouTube channel I love called The Kill Count, where they just break down <laughs> all the kills that happen in horror movies and count them all up. So I watched that episode of Hereditary, and my instincts were right. That was not a movie that I needed to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to but skip what Midsummer I'm too. About then, to oh yeah, yeah, Midsummer. Yeah, it's getting a sequel, right? Did, did Did anybody see the first one? You saw the first one, right, Tina? Yeah, yeah. No, wouldn't recommend that. I, it's but, also yeah. not my favorite. Like, I like the cheesy B tier stuff mm-hmm. that I think um, Damon's mm-hmm. talking about, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like campy and there's like yeah. cool style and the gore is all like yeah. stage makeup and stuff. Like that yeah. stuff is cool. Um, I like the com. I like comedy horror. I like really thoughtful horror. Uh, mm-hmm. So the stuff that's more cerebral, the stuff that's more like psychological, really throws you for a loop. It doesn't all have to be about like gore and murder and whatnot. But mm-hmm. the Midsummer and and Hereditary are definitely like artsier films i guess you could say but they're also really focused on a certain level of shock value that just Mm -hmm. does not resonate with me (laughs) so yeah not my jam yeah yep yeah anyway totally see that uh this is gabe scoop uh (laughs) (laughs) horror scoop (laughs) gore scoop Ooh, can we make a gore scoop podcast that's for halloween uh yeah oh man that's great that's a good one As part of the ongoing Epic versus Apple trial, a new document was published as evidence, and this has happened several times this week. It's been really fascinating. Um, this evidence included a rough outline of both high-profile Xbox One releases for the third and fourth uh, calendar quarters of 2020, as well as Xbox's understanding of its competition's biggest upcoming releases. Uh, and this presentation was from August of 2020. And at that time, Xbox thought... Among other things, Breath of the Wild 2 was going to be out that year, in that December, along with uh, uh, Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, and Shin Megami Tensei 5. Of course, none of which ended up coming out in that window. So my question is, I don't think any of us would have thought that, I mean, maybe Breath of the Wild 2, but that would have been a huge surprise. But certainly not Metroid Prime 4, which was just like, re- yeah. the development was restarted fairly recently. So that would tell me... That- Two things. Either these people at Xbox know things we don't, or they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know we're going to talk about some other interesting documents that were unsealed in a minute, but like particular, you know, it's like even working at IGN, it's like we have a million spreadsheets and presentations yeah. and just documents that float around there. And if like they were to be sucked up into court, like a third of those would be like, oh, yeah, don't look at that. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> like old information that like, you know, we're not really referencing. And like, I suspect mm-hmm. that that Microsoft one is just like, they, they knew Metroid Prime 4 wasn't coming out last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's a really interesting point. Like, I would have assumed 
that maybe they were just being extra ultra careful because this isn't out of the ordinary. Like <clears throat> lots of people research their competitors and try to look at their market calendars so they get out of the way of these like bigger drops. So that's all normal. But mm-hmm. Justin, your point is a good one because we'll do like we'll build like um, run of shows that are temporary. We fill things in that we're making assumptions around, and then those will be mm-hmm. eventually get turned into like formalized run of shows, and we'll abandon the previous documents. So it very well could have just been a here's a sample calendar and mm-hmm. then some other document came up, but I would imagine that they would find the more <laughs> corroborated mm-hmm. document somewhere and prioritize that one, but they've definitely yeah. been pulling some, some weird things. It's been so great. There's been so many juicy emails. <laughs> <laughs> Why in an Epic versus Apple uh, lawsuit are Microsoft's internal uh, thoughts on Nintendo coming out? It was, um, it, it was around like they're trying to get a sense of like the market and the industry and then draw mm-hmm. comparisons. But it's actually mm-hmm. been pretty wild because a bunch of lawyers have now approached the judge and been like, please, can we redact like all of these documents? Like, why <laughs> mm-hmm. are you dragging us into this? Yeah. So obviously they, all of these things have been subpoenaed. So technically, like they have access to all this stuff. All the lawyers are coming through yeah. all of this stuff. But it was dumped into a public folder, and then people yeah. like ourselves and like The mm-hmm. Verge have been diving mm-hmm. into those documents <clears throat> and finding like some news breakouts. So they plead to the judge to like please redact a lot of these things, and the judge was like, "Man, this stuff mm-hmm. is public. Like, what's done is yeah. done." But they went through Yikes. and they did some redactions anyway. But yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. all for the point of, of drawing illustrations so they can make points about the industry um, in terms of like what the market standards are for some things. That was a damn good explanation, and I have one follow-up that I don't know if we can answer. But why does this mean that this was part of something that either Epic or Apple were in a presentation about, or in some? How are they related to the Microsoft part of this? There, I mean, it must have been something like that, right? I don't know about that doc specifically, but they've been spending a lot of time just sort of explaining the lay of the land and how video games work. And it's like, but they if can't you... go to Microsoft and be like, give us all your documents so we can explain this after case. <laughs> no, I don't know about that doc in particular. So, you know, but it's like, it, it is like, you know, we live and breathe video games and even the people listening to the show understand video games. But if you mm-hmm. don't know anything about games, it's like, okay, so I have a phone and I can download games to it. Like, yeah. how is that similar or different than an Xbox? And like, I can have yeah. Netflix that has, I I can watch movies on Netflix or I can buy them and subscribe to Game Pass or Apple Arcade or I can buy games like it's kind of a mess. And like that's been what a lot of the legal proceedings have been about is like, well, and then Fortnite is on all these platforms. And is it okay for Fortnite to be pulled from the App Store? And how is that different or the same than like the responsibility they have to moderate content on their platforms? And like it's been it's been pretty interesting to get. To kind of try to like reset and like if I'm a court judge and someone's trying to explain video games to me as if I was five, like where would you even start? Mm-hmm. Here's a Tamagotchi for you, five-year-old Justin. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, you know, there's like the Sony crossplay stuff came up as an example mm-hmm. and I wasn't following too closely to see what specific point for around that one that they were they, they were trying to explain. Um, but the whole point is kind of like they're they're talking about this is kind of how the competitive ecosystem is. This is the standard protocol for how these other companies behave in these sorts of circumstances. So like what is acceptable versus what is not, what is, um, because ultimately at the end of the day, Epic is trying to make the argument that the app store is a monopoly. And so they're looking at, okay, what are the other competitive opportunities too? Although on the competitive note and this one Xbox document, the other thing that came to mind around it for me was um, the really interesting thing is that Xbox will scope out 
uh, or yes, Xbox will scope out Nintendo releases as like, this is our potential competition, but Nintendo never thinks of Xbox and Sony as their competition. That's, true. That's always been mm-hmm. the interesting thing about them as the outlier there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for the Xbox, uh, just to defend Xbox's predictions for the fall, even though they were in August and you know, it could have been clear and who knows what the context is. Uh, Nintendo's fall was kind of crazy. Like it was Hyrule Warriors and Pokemon. That's what they had for the fall. So I think we all expected in a, you know, in a console launch year for the other two companies for Nintendo to have some sort of thing that they would come out swinging with, which is kind of Pokemon. But um, but exactly backing up Tina's point, Nintendo just probably didn't even pay attention. Probably like, oh, yeah, yeah. they're putting out new consoles, huh? Interesting. So, Breath of the Wild in five years. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, was 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 Microsoft just a year off? Is Breath of the Wild 2 out this December? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that'd be interesting, I'm, wouldn't it? We also they have Skyward Sword coming this summer. I also Nintendo also announced this week that you know Animal Crossing has sold sold thirty one million copies, so they yeah. just don't care. <laughs> they, they do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. The final- and they announced a cool game this week, which is just out of the blue. Like it's just so weird when that stuff comes out. But that game designer, um, yeah. What's the name of that one? I didn't remember. I, I have no idea. The game design but, uh, garage. I like how they have garage in there, which I I thought the cool angle of that was that they have this. Yes, for sure. Um, They have this uh, stuff about like in the trailer about how Nintendo's game designers will teach you a little bit about making games. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what they they didn't really show that how those tutorials work. But like that is 100 percent a draw for me. Like any 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 window into Nintendo game design philosophy. I like reading about it. I like uh, I I like uh, every time. You know, we discussed it on the show and stuff like that. So, like, that's a totally great topic for me making about it. Well, that's interesting because we've talked about before how, like, Mario Maker isn't really your mm-hmm. thing because you want to play professionally designed platform yeah. levels. So, and I want to hear about, I, again, I don't want to make the games. I want to okay. hear about their design process and hear about what experts think about contemporary game design, mm. even if it's a total lie to throw off Sony and Microsoft. Could- <laughs> I, I heard a, I heard a rumor and this is just on Twitter. It's not like privileged information that, that, that project, the speculation is that that started as a labo project and now was made mm. like you were probably going to be like programming some, you know, robot mm. or car that made out of cardboard. And now they yeah. changed it into like, just, you know, make video games. Another internal Xbox document that was revealed during this Apple versus Epic court case uh, includes an internal analysis or review that Xbox conducted of The Last of Us Part Two. Obviously, uh, you know one of the biggest games of last year, very high-profile PlayStation exclusive. The review—it's like a—the it, it, reviewers are named in the document, but they're not names that I recognize. But they definitely like took the job of reviewing the game seriously. And there's actually some, you know, thoughtful analysis. Like this is one excerpt. The Last of Us Part Two is the exceedingly rare video game where what it accomplishes in moving forward the art of narrative storytelling as a medium ultimately outweighs whether or not everyone likes it or even if everyone has fun playing it. So it, I mean, it's actually like I mean, that's actually I, I would agree with that assessment. Yep. Yep. So I, yeah. this is like you, it's not very often that you, you see big game companies, you know, their opinions on their their competitors' games. In this in this instance, they seem to think very highly of The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I feel like if this were the '90s and it was the console war, Sony would be using that quote in their marketing. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, that's probably right. That's great. But I wonder, like, who was this review for? Like, who was this presented to within well, Xbox? The, the, the executive staff, right? Well, like, so Phil Spencer doesn't need, like, I'm sure he played Last of Us Part Two himself. He's a big gamer. <sighs> so, But people yeah, above him within Microsoft, maybe? I don't know. I think Phil Spencer in his free time is probably, you know, playing a beta beta of Halo Infinite or is playing, you know, Xbox uh, games. Why like, isn't that in this folder, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he's doing both um, in that case. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it could it could be more junior and not necessarily like above at a Microsoft level, even just in yeah. terms of creative inspiration, maybe like this is what the co- competitors are doing. And, and mm. normally what they'll actually do is they'll they'll do um like Metacritic assessments to say what the public thought and what critics thought, because that's kind of a little bit more uh, the angle of what they want to go towards because they want highly reviewed games. So they'll pinpoint mm-hmm. here were the things that reviewers liked about The Last of Us too. I think it's actually pretty cool mm-hmm. that they had their own person uh, yeah. providing some of that intel. I will say I disagreed with one thing in that <laughs> review, which was that The Last of Us Part Two was a notable gameplay improvement from the first one. That was interesting, um, yeah. Yeah, I felt like I actually felt like there was more intentionality behind the specifics around the level design in part one, because you were supposed Mm -hmm. to feel like claustrophobic in moments and then the pacing would change because you'd be out in this big open field and then you'd be trapped again. And so it it created a flow of tension and relief. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was the same in The Last of Us Part Two, but it didn't really feel like as married to that part of the concept. Mm -hmm. And I would consider like the level design so integral to that type of gameplay, too. Uh, but they did completely diss their gunplay, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, both, yeah. both. I think they're both referring to the, uh, the the power cord puzzles is the big gameplay innovation. I see. Because it was such good physics, they weren't really. Um, <laughs> I, um, uh, uh, Justin, I cut you off. Sorry. Uh, I don't remember what I was. Oh, I, I was just agreeing, like you know, earmarking what Tina said. Like they both, both reviewers pointed out, like, oh, gunplay is not that great. And I'm like, what are you yeah, talking like, about? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's they're coming from like a Halo mindset of you know shooting. I don't, I don't know. Or so, Call of Duty. Um, there, like a, a bunch of a bunch of game developers do this at different stages in their game development process. So they, they either have an internal team or sometimes they hire uh, an external consultancy mock reviewers. To, do, to do mock reviews, right? Yeah, and that'll happen like when a game's in an alpha form and they'll be like, if we put this game out with a few tweaks, like what score do you think it'll get? And they'll get that, they'll have somebody like that's probably written reviews for IGN or somebody like that before to come in and uh, give them, you know, a scored review. It's pretty interesting. It's worth pointing also- out. For their own games. So this wouldn't have been a mock review. This was just yeah. Intel. Gathering. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And it's worth pointing yeah, out that, that that's a really good distinction. I should have made that. If point. somebody contracts and does a mock review for a game developer or publisher, they can't write about that game for IGN. So no, they can't. That's, yeah, you yeah. can go from IGN and do that, but you can't come back. <laughs> yeah, that's a one-way street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it used to be more common, I think, than mm-hmm. it is today. Yeah. Mock reviews. Well, I think well, that might for, be because I'm, of internal departments. I was meaning for media people to move into doing mock reviews. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but that is interesting. I know a lot of our viewers and listeners, uh, you know, they're always asking about how we got into the industry and they'd like to work in, in the industry someday. So that's just like another avenue to like think about. It'd be pretty yeah. cool. Our jobs are pretty cool, but it's also pretty cool to be internal at Xbox reviewing the competition's games and presenting yeah. your assessments to the Yeah, team. that's a really neat, that's cool. neat angle, huh? Yeah. There's an even better version of that where you get to do that on mid-development, so you're not just doing a mock review, but you're actually giving feedback that can end up in the final game, mm-hmm. which is yeah, super cool. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Now I want to see Nintendo's review of Last of Us Part Two. Oh gosh, oh, they hate it. It's not the competition. <laughs> they they don't. They're not looking at that. Can, can you imagine how mad Miyamoto would be at that game? I know, I know, totally true. And like that's I not a not either, like, like you know, like I respect. He'd also want to fix it though, right? He'd be like, these these need to be question mark blocks. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, and what's interesting is obviously he's amazing and a genius, but like, so is that game, you know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to like poke fun at anybody, but it's just that yeah. they're, they're at such different, they're coming at the art from like, from the most different polar opposite directions possible. I would love to know just in general, what, what, what games Miyamoto has played and enjoyed? Like what's, what's the most violent game he's played? Did he ever play a Mortal Kombat? I don't know. Oh, yeah. We... We, we, there's stuff about that with yeah. him play, trying games at E3. Yeah. yeah. And he'll be like in the Sony booth playing stuff. And yeah, I remember seeing just like little videos of him reacting or whatever. To headshots. I, I, yeah. Here's I feel that I feel the same of him being like disgusted seeing God of War or something, you know, like that. Yeah. That's, that's somewhere bouncing around the back of my brain. But, uh, you know, he, he consulted heavily on Metroid prime uh, and came in and, you know, kind of was the catalyst for, for some of the uh, perspectives and stuff in that game. And that at the time was a, you know, it wasn't an ultra violent shooter except for all the bug blood, but it was like a completely uh, revolutionary, you know, like top of top of its game shooter. So he's definitely worked on one. One frustrating thing about Returnal is that it'll make you want uh, a triple a AAA Metroid prime release that you know that we won't get even like metro prime 4 isn't going to look as good as returnal but like like the the moody atmosphere on this planet is so cool but um since it's roguelike there's like several set rooms that are just being Mm -hmm. shuffled right so you you get to know Mm -hmm. you you every room will look familiar eventually but in a real metroid triple a metroid game you'd be moving through the you know all the different areas and you wouldn't be recycling as many as many assets that sort of thing Okay, moving on past this insane uh, Apple and Epic trial. This week we learned the top 10 best-selling Star Wars games here in the U.S. of all time. And some of the answers I thought were surprising. Some of the the games that are on this list. And there are some notable absentees from this list. So the first of all, the, the full list, top 10 best-selling Star Wars games ever in the U.S. is Star Wars Battlefront from 2015, Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefront 2, 2017, Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, Star Wars Battlefront 2 from 2005, Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy, Lego Star Wars, Star Wars Battlefront 2004, and finally, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire. That's the 10. It was deeply confusing, by the way, to try to like... (laughs) Track as you're talking. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of Battlefront games in there. Yeah. But so like... No, Knights of the Old Republic, the one that's being remade, uh, presumably, isn't even in the top 10 best selling. Was it on one platform that didn't sell well? It was on PC Xbox. and Xbox, right? And but it, it was on PC, and now it's on iPad and stuff. Yeah, it's so on iOS. There should yeah. be bigger numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I was surprised. I mean, <clears throat> you know, there's certain genres just overall have a bigger audience than others. And like, you know, every once in a while there's a game like Witcher or whatever that can like punch through that. But like as badass as Knights of the Old Republic is, like it probably has less overall potential, you know, penetration in the market than a game like Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Or a sure. shooter. I mean, the Lego games. Yeah. Um, no, I really liked um, Lego Force Awakens, but that wasn't on this list. 
Where was so? So where was the battle? The new Battlefront two, <laughs> number three. So the top. That's the third best-selling Star Wars game ever. Yeah, and number that one is Battlefront from 2015. So like EA. We gave EA a lot of crap for you know how they handled the Star Wars license, but they have the top three best-selling Star Wars games ever in the yeah, U.S. But like so, in that game, you know that game is a real turnaround story for them, where like it launched with all yeah. its you know microtransaction issues that they cleaned up. But like, like what? Where's the third one? <laughs> like that's my that's what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they had squadrons last year, not on the list. Yeah, I like that game. Um, wait, so those are definitely those are definitely the contemporary battlefronts. So then, are there any of the old battlefronts on the list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both on there at number what one, two, three, four, six, and nine. Okay, got it. So you have to go back to those. All right. Yeah, yeah. But what else is missing, Sam? Uh, Star Wars uh, Atari for uh, arcades. So yeah, that one Star for sure. Wars. I was meaning Rogue Leader. <laughs> yeah, uh, you mean Rogue Squadron one, two, and three. Yeah, well, I'm thinking specifically the GameCube launch one. Was that not Rogue Leader? Yeah, Rogue, Rogue Strategy. Again, like that game is locked to a platform that didn't sell well. So, yeah, you know, it's just so. not going to be on there. They should remake Pod that Racer. No Pod Racer, yeah. Definitely the only reason why Star Wars Connect isn't on there. It's locked to a specific peripheral. That's the reason why. That's no the reason kidding. everybody knows. <laughs> but it had, that was the coolest designed Xbox of any era of all time. It came with a C-3PO mm. gold oh. controller. That's yeah. a, it was, and, and it made R2-D2 sounds. It made sounds little beep boops, yeah. Very cute. That's a really cool idea for a feature. I, I may have written that. <laughs> like, <laughs> just the coolest Xbox consoles, the coolest PlayStation consoles. Yeah, yeah that would be fun to review those. And there's some rare ones, yeah. too, and some one-offs. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a fun Star Wars Connect fact. If you Google Star Wars Connect GIFs, um, mm-hmm. that's me dancing in half of them Ooh, because we actually yeah. recorded footage. Uh, this was back when I was at Kotaku, but we recorded footage of it and we rarely recorded gameplay footage. This was one of the rare mm. ones that we did for some reason that I can't remember, but yeah, there's a, there's like a little image in the upper right hand corner where it's just the connect view of the person that's dancing around. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a few of those are me out there on that first page of search. Results. It's just silhouetted, right? Yeah, uh, sort of a version of that. Yeah. Reduced. That's- it's whatever cool. the yeah, whatever the connect view of it is. <laughs> Damon, did you see that um, in the court record? Like there was an exchange about Kotaku in the Epic versus Apple lawsuit. Oh, and then if someone asked, "What's a Kotaku?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, no. Well, yeah. that was see, that was not as embarrassing as when the judge like really slammed down on Tim Sweeney. Like we can tell that you've never played on a Switch before because he was fumbling, yeah. fumbling with it a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. Epics Tim um, Sweeney has never played a Switch. Though. He said yeah, he, there was this not frequently. He wasn't like okay. he wasn't familiar enough with it to pull up whatever they had asked him to pull up. There's hmm. this insane there's this insane exchange where like again they're just trying to get the lay of the land for like what video games are. Like they trot out a PlayStation 5 and they're like Mr. Sweeney, could you tell us what this is? And he's like it's a PlayStation 5. And then they do that for an Xbox and then they have him, you know, show us how the Switch works. Like it's nuts. It's completely crazy. Is is it a jury trial? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the that's the crummy thing about stuff like this is that they just as you were ta- everybody's been talking about on the show so far, uh, a lot of this is educational for the jury, right? And they just have to spend all this time teaching people about uh, uh, an industry and, and its quirks, which t- to us is really funny because it's like part of our day to day hobbies and loves and lives, and not just our industry. I wonder if some people recuse themselves for saying that they're Fortnite players. <laughs> it's a perfect yeah. excuse to get out of jury duty. Get out of jury duty. <laughs> I'm playing right now. <laughs> well, I'm not playing because I'm on an iPhone only. Full <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Too soon. A game that pops up fairly often here on GameScoop is a game called Flashback. Maybe just because uh, I, li- oh I like uh, a genre called cinematic platformers. And that's uh, it was the follow up from uh, Delphine is the developer who made Out of This World or Another World mm-hmm. outside of the U.S. And then they made Flashback, a uh, very similar type of game, although I prefer Out of This World. Anyway, Flashback was uh, ported to modern consoles uh, in the past few years. And then completely randomly this week, they uh, that studio, Microids, who handled the, the re-release, are, are making a sequel. Flashback 2, a sequel to a 1993 game. And so I have this um, cartridge. Oh, good. Uh, I, I had this like on our on our shared desk area, and yeah. sometimes I, I, a few times I'd like put it on, and people would be over and be like, "Yeah, flashback," and they'd play it for three seconds and be like, <laughs> "I, I, well, you know," because because it's not a it, it's a Prince of Persia like right, yeah. so yeah. it's like you tap, it's like Dragon's Lair almost, like you tap button directions to run and you have to tap them at the right time to make certain jumps and it's just like, you know, after a world after Mario, that type of game makes no sense and I don't think the new game will be like that at all but I will say, I loved that game because it looked good and that's the only reason I like it. The real draw was the rotoscope animation for the characters. And it had 3D polygon just nonsense. It had this like weird like intro sequence with, remember that with like the kind of unshaded... Um, well, not unshaded, but sort untextured polygons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was stressed in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, Which is probably like ninety percent of the system memory. If you wanted to, like, if you want, do you want to jump three seconds from now? You better be pressing <laughs> that jump button right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what a flashback, a sequel to flashback, plays like today. Do they make it more forgiving to control? And then what does it look like? I I doubt they're going to rotoscope everything. So. If you lose that, you kind of lose the appeal of the original. Um, well, I mean, motion I uh, capture is is yep. basically replaced rotoscoping. It's the same well, thing. It's just more accurate, right? I mean, I don't know if it's the same thing. Because rotoscope is actually drawing, you know, filming something and then drawing frames uh, or, you know, over it. Like that movie yeah, with it, Keanu Reeves that I forget the name of. Yeah. Yes. What is that? Walking, That's based on a sci-fi walking, novel. What is that movie? Walking something. Nobody knows. It was a scanner darkly. Um, yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. That's totally yeah. Um <laughs> now my point is that the, the the point of rotoscoping is to get at fluid motion and make it yeah. into frames. Yeah. And we've come really far since the so if we had to do that. You know, I went to the um the GD of I miss GDC. This is the second GDC that hasn't happened. Yeah, I think yeah. about it that we would all be at retro panels at. But one of them was a, uh, a, a Prince of uh, Persia. Um, the very first one, you know, it, it was recounting. Jordan Mechner was talking about how he made it, and it was his little brother that was on in a, like a parking lot. Yep, and mm. it was like hopping around between things and doing those like leaps, and then he you know took pictures. Uh, like in quick succession, took them home, traced over them, put them on graph paper, put them in the game or whatever, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that's how that worked. That was the yeah. rotoscoping process for a teenager basically to make that. And he did it for Karateka too. That's that was interesting. I would, I've always thought that pronounced in my head, like Karateka. It probably is. Okay. Okay. Have you ever said the game's name out loud? Probably before? not. No. There's all sorts it's of words like first that. for me. That's like a there's it's like a top ten fear of mine is that I'm gonna say some word out loud that I've only ever seen written and just get it completely wrong. 
You should it's, be proud that you know the word and that you've read it and you know how to use it. It's you, the, the speech and understanding are two things to only be proud about, embarrassed by. Yeah, you, yeah plus we've you, all been there. You'd be surprised how many words there are that are commonly read and written that are just aren't said out loud very often. And if you do VO, like we do very often, oh, you'll yeah. encounter these words and be like, wait, how is that actually pronounced? Am I pronouncing this right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Especially uh, if it's like Google weird says, video game garbage. Google says karatika. Mm-hmm. Karatika. So I've been corrected and uh, that's not the first time because I've had to do VO for Pokemon games before. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a trap for sure. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Joseph Butler. Whereabouts unknown. (laughs) I feel like this show went by really fast. Well, we'll we'll do video game 20 questions and I have an email uh, ready to go if we still have time left at the end. Oh, okay. okay. Surprise ending. Twist. Anyway, let the questioning begin. You started with a really good one last week. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was an on-theme one. So yeah. I'm trying to think of what would be on brand this time. Like, we could go the platformer route. Yeah, Metroids. Or the Star Wars <laughs> route. Can you could believe you've been. ruined this game for us now, Damon? No, I love all it. All we do it's is think about Damon's brain. It's additional strategy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What about if it could have been mentioned in the Apple and Epic lawsuit and entered into oh, the God. court record? It's, it's too big. Too big. Too big a range. <laughs> too broad. <laughs> could be anything. That's great. Um, let's see. <clears throat> I'll just go with an error to start off then, I suppose. Um, is this from after the year 2000? Yes. Hmm. We, is okay. this a platform exclusive? Not anymore. Oh. Well, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah, that's great. Um, Was this game originally released on a PlayStation platform? No. Xbox? Original? Yeah, same question, same question Xbox? but Xbox? No. Oh, so, oh, dang. So it's Nintendo or PC? Do we continue yeah, along this route? Phone or something. Okay. Was it originally released on a Nintendo platform? No. That's oh, that, that, okay. It's probably just PC. <laughs> Is this, yeah, was this a PC game? No. <laughs> Mobile? Wait, but it's probably a hand it could be a handheld. Well no, because we covered Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. Oh yeah, good point. So wait, an MPC. Sega? Was there, well, yeah, like, oh, was, was there some crazy, like... What if it's VR or <laughs> oh. VR? Yeah, some crazy, yeah. like... Stadia exclusive. Dreamcast game. <laughs> well, after 2000, could still be Dreamcast. Yeah, what were, like, the really late Dreamcast games? There's that 2D shooter, scrolling shooter, Mars Matrix. <laughs> Is that the one I'm thinking of? We had one on last week. It was codenamed Veronica. So that was called Code Veronica. This is probably a mobile game. This is what makes it difficult. Was this game originally released on mobile phones or tablets? Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> we wow. got there. I would not have. But you know that. what? Yeah, we would have. It, that's hard for us to get to anyway. So we needed to get to it. Could be angry. Okay, well, it could be Angry Birds. <laughs> yeah. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to. We can. We can avoid the whole like, did it was it popular? Or whatever question then, because if it <clears throat> if it's no longer just on mobile, it means it had to have been somewhat successful. 
I've been, yeah, I've been Plants for Zombies yeah. cut the rope. Yeah, but that Plants for Zombies wasn't exclusive to mobile. It was a PC game. It was okay. an old PopCap game. Remember when PopCap was like a thing? Yeah. I know they still exist, but like remember they used to be so good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just hit after hit. Yep. Um, Peggle. Peggle. Oh, yeah. Man, I want I want Angry Birds to come back. I I maintain that the core gameplay in like Angry Birds is like really good and satisfying, and now it's like it just went away. It's just gone off the but, face. But of aren't you happy that your kids aren't insisting on wearing only Angry yeah. Birds clothes? Angry Birds. Um, <laughs> we could do. Yeah. Have we mentioned this game yet? Because we've mentioned a handful, but not all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have we mentioned What's this it? game yet? No. Oh. Did, did this game? Well, I don't know where I want to go from here. If it's a mobile, I mean, it could be like, I don't know, Infinity Blade, but those are still exclusive to mobile. Are all? How do indie games work? Okay, Damon, here's here's my question. Yep. I joined IGN in 2011 as the mobile games editor. Mm-hmm. Could I have reviewed this game for IGN? Not as the mobile games editor. Oh, okay. So it made its transition at that time. Or after that, time. so it's not sword and sorcery. So that actually makes it a. F- oh, that actually makes it what a, about eighty days. It absolutely could be sword and sorcery. Eighty days is too late. Eighty days is uh, post. It, it didn't come no, out. He said it's after after you were the. No, no, no. He said that he he was suggesting that if Justin were just reviews editor, he would yep. have reviewed it, Here, not mobile specifically. I, I took that timeline to mean that game hit mobile before 2011, and then came out on other platforms after 2011. Hmm. Is that not? Did I not interpret that correctly? <laughs> I was interpret. You said 2011 is when you were doing yeah, yeah. mobile editing, right? Yeah. So I interpreted that as like sometime between 2000 and 2011. 2011 it went yeah. from mobile to probably console. Oh, I think. So like, I think the, Damon meant at that 2011. I regret phrasing it this way now. <laughs> no, I, that, yeah. it feels clear to me, Damon. What I was face. trying to say is, you could have reviewed this game. As at IGN, just not as mobile editor. Yeah, it. meaning, it's, meaning it's at that point, at that point, it would have been on consoles or whatever else. Right. So it was a, it's an old mobile game, like an early iPhone Android game that then later came out on other stuff. Yeah, around but not, 2011. But not Angry no. Birds. No, no, no. no. I, I, here's my interpretation. <laughs> Hear me out here. Is that he's saying that you were not the mobile editor at IGN. You had a different title by oh. the time this game came out. And you couldn't have reviewed it. That's what he's oh, saying. Oh, 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 oh. So this is a later game. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay. I regret, how, I regret how Justin centric so this is. You could have reviewed it, like but that. you would have been the features editor or the commerce, you know, uh, manager. Understood. You know, so. so, well, shit. See, now we're all, now we're talking about me and nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that okay. It, so Damon says that that interpretation is correct, which means that it's a newer mobile game. Mm-hmm. I think it's 80 days or the one where, um, uh, yeah. Uh, the puzzle game with the rotation or um, there's just a bunch of games that a, a bunch of people played that would be in Damon's realm of yeah. knowledge. Like. Su- super hexagon or card gamey things. Uh, could, could be ding dong XL. <laughs> could be hearts. Wait, what did Hearthstone, Hearthstone? La- la- uh, yeah. Yeah. launch on mobile and then went to PC console? No, or were they on PC? That's a good question. Huh. It may have been mobile only for a hot second. I don't think so. I think that was a Battle.net game that was available on mm-hmm. everything. Does this game have cards in it? Um, Is it a card no, game? No. That's 10. 
Wow, only 10. I'm surprised we didn't burn a lot more. Yeah. Is this a adventure game? Um, no. That way you wouldn't call, you wouldn't classify it as an adventure game. Puzzle game? Yes. Oh. Give me threes. I bet it's threes. Oh. Threes. That'd be so silly. <laughs> um, we've had threes before. I'm trying to think how to narrow it down. Puzzle games are really good. But like, you know, so I don't like, you know, I don't know. It could be cut the rope, could be any of those. Candy crushers. Yeah, it could be any of the candy crushers. Is this a Is this a game that like has street cred with like core gamers and that like you know people at IGN <laughs> you like. could also just ask the opposite if it was a yeah. casual no, game. I was going to ask if it was a mom game but then I decided to go the other direction <laughs> okay alright yeah I, that's not not the way it asked wait was there a question asked yeah 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 does the game have like street credibility with like <laughs> within the gaming zeitgeist yes okay so threes is still in the mix here <laughs> we eliminated or like uh, what was the one that just super like, hexagon like, still is too yeah or grindstone mm-hmm. like if we want to go really modern oh, yeah mm-hmm. a puzzle game are there tiles involved is it matching in yeah exactly is it matching yes mm. so uh, it just sidebar does threes count as matching <laughs> I don't I know. would say so. I mean, that's why I was going the tiles yeah. way, but I think yeah. it, I guess it's not technically. I yeah. No, so sorry, sorry for like co-opting your question because you're no, right. No, there's no. some there's some nuance there that's like. I, okay, Imagine. Damon, did this game? Did this game? Is this an Apple Arcade game? Yes, that's fifteen. That's totally Grindstone. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, okay. Is is it a Capybara game? Yes. Is it Grindstone? Okay. Yes. Nice. Nicely job, Grindstone. Also available on Switch. Yeah, it's nice. the second second best Apple Arcade game. I, I hear it's fantastic. I was it gonna go fantastic. for are there monsters in this game? <laughs> to narrow it down before Kibara, yeah. but that was a good route. Cute Grindstone monsters. has awesome. really, really, really good like out of game progression and like progression systems for uh like you're always like earning new things and getting new equipment yeah. and like pushing a little farther through the game. What a game. Yeah. What a game. Terrific cool. game. And you are going on an adventure, but you know, not an yeah. adventure. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. You wouldn't call it an adventure game. Yeah. Also, well, Justin and Tina carried this one. You guys did really good. I was completely out of my element for this. Thank you for the help. Apple we Arcade, Justin shifts up in his chair. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Let me consult my Word document that I, I rank them all. I forget which is the best Apple Arcade game, Justin? Oh, I was, I was mainly just. I think the best is still what the golf, oh, okay. but oh, yeah, uh, yes. in my personal ranking, Grindstone is number two. And what this is actually is based good. on a recommendation of a new game that's like a Zelda maker, Wonderbook. Is that what it's called? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, I wouldn't call that Wonderbox. It's called Wonderbox. Wonderbox is more like Roblox. I don't know what Roblox is. Um, so in Wonderbox, you're playing in an isometric viewpoint, and right. it's sort of Minecrafty, where everything's made out of blocks. And you can build little adventures for other people to then like download and rate and go on. So mm-hmm. a little bit, like, little big planet esque. I see. It's, well, to- it's Nintendo, totally cool. People. Jeez. It's it's totally cool, and I actually really like it because um, uh, you have the flexibility of making like combat rooms or puzzle rooms or whatever, and you could just you know download and play other people's adventures. But it, 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 calling it a Zelda like or a Zelda maker is a Zelda maker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I downloaded. I'm going to check it out. And I totally agree with you, Justin, that Angry Birds was really fun, especially Angry Birds Star Wars. 
Yeah. Those were super oh, fun. Yeah. Like, why oh, Why yeah. is there no, like, Angry Birds, Harry Potter? Like, th- that stuff should have just kept going. <laughs> yeah. Angry Birds. How good would Angry Birds Avengers be? Yeah, you're right. All, Each you know, one like will a have Hulk a special bird. power. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. A Hulk bird. <laughs> you're right. That's. <laughs> Hawkeye. Angry yeah. Bird. <laughs> you're right. Like, everyone's gears are turning now. Yeah. Mm hmm. Anyway, nice job. Thank you for the suggestion, Joseph Butler. Um, a thought occurred to me while we were working on that. What do you guys think about the idea of not homework, but introducing a topic for us all to think about and then to discuss next week? Because yeah. this email that I mentioned is, is an interesting question. We don't have time to dive into it now, but we could maybe well, think about it. The, the more the more prep for episodes, the better. Okay. <laughs> then I'm going to read this question. This is Adam from Houston, Texas, and we're all going to uh, – Take this with us into our weekend when we're not playing Resident Evil 8 Village. Scoop work. Yeah, scoop work. Uh, Adam says, today I thought it'd be fun to make a list of video games that were monumentally improved for their sequels and also games that took a noticeable step back. The first list was quite easy as many sequels are significantly better than their predecessors, such as Sonic the Hedgehog, Portal, Mass Effect, Uncharted, Half-Life, Halo, Assassin's Creed, Street Fighter, Mega Man, many others. I found it difficult to think of sequels that are noticeably worse than the first installments, but came up with maybe Zelda... Star Fox, Devil May Cry, Star Wars, The Force Unleashed. I did the same with movies and found the results to be the exact opposite. Although there are certainly some examples of the sequel being better than the first, such as Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2, Superman 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Terminator 2. Most movie sequels are not good, not as good as the original. Why do you think this is? What? Why do you think that video games are so good at improving the second installment into a series, yet movies tend to swing and miss quite a bit? I'm glad I have lots of thoughts. I want to talk about it that. now. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Listen, we'll I just hang up host. on the audience and we'll all just talk about it. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> Save it for the yeah. blooper reel. Well, I'll reconvene next week. I have some thoughts too, but it's a, it's, a, mm. it's a good question. I want to spend some time digging into it. So that is all the scoops we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes, making this show possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out.